Hi, this is Sam with Stirring the Pot, and today we have a special guest, um, Media Mushroom. Hi. Hey. Uh, we're doing a long-distance interview today, so if there's any kind of lag, we apologize in advance. Um, but today we're going to be talking mostly about how your style is very, like your art style and also your art in general. So for our first question, um, this is, we have like se separate sections where it's the Sam questions, the Derek questions, and also Derek's quirky art student questions. So that'll be exciting. Definitely. Um, so the first question that I have is, your art style is very reminiscent of early 90s shoujo chibi designs. Is there any certain anime or artist that you draw inspiration from? So I have, I could probably talk about this for the whole rest of the interview. Like there's so many <laughs> and I just know like, I'm, I'm sure I'll, you know, I'm sure I'll forget the most, the, the most obvious one or the biggest one. But mm -hmm. um, the first person that comes to mind for me is um, Makoto Takahashi. Mm -hmm. If you know his work, um, he's really more of an illustrator. So um, not really associated with any particular anime. Um, but that was really the artist that I saw that, just like set me on fire if you know what i mean yeah let me look up the name Matoko Takahashi. So just to see if i'm like familiar with the work at all i feel like sometimes i'm not good with names right right but honestly with the with if i see it, i could be like oh i could i could memorize that I've seen he's it he's a genius completely mm -hmm. like i'm i'm obsessed and as far as like anime um, Rosa Versailles was really huge for me, and like Ryoko Ikeda in general. Oh, and, um, I remember seeing that. Sorry, I, I didn't watch, right. it, watch it, but I was like, oh, this is a very beautiful art style. Definitely, definitely. And um, Candy Candy, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but um, Candy Candy was huge for me. Sorry, I'm doing ex extra credit research. I apologize. Research, as you know. <laughs> oh, I've seen this before. I've never watched it, but I've seen the, like art style a lot um the really mm -hmm. like cutesy like very like vintage nostalgic big eyes yeah that's classic just, that, anime. that means everything to me right <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful um I, also in regards to that um a lot of like because thing is as you like because a lot of your art style is very much reminiscent of like early anime like early anime art styles what mm -hmm. makes you gravitate more towards that than like how, say like newer animes like how Yu Hakusho not Yu Hakusho that's a lot older um but like how Jujutsu Kaisen My Hero like those like more modern art styles those more like edgier art style like Attack on Titans and stuff right why do you gravitate right. to, more towards like the nostalgic well I just think that era like um 70s and 80s especially mm -hmm. the quality is just so there like i'm I, i'm just blown away like i i just finished watching um anne of green gables probably for the millionth time mm -hmm. and it's just um, it blows me away the the level of quality of the work um in that era compared i you know today no no uh disrespect to no today, shade. but no we're not yeah exactly <laughs> is this exactly your like Right, but I just think that it's just next level. Um, the the work that was put, that was expected in that time, you know, like mm -hmm. it really is uh, fine art. Yes, I think is the art style. The thing is, even just looking at like some of the illustrations, there's like so much attention to detail to like the frills, like the outfits, the dresses. Like, mm -hmm. there's still a lot of attention to detail today, but it's like put into different things. Where in terms of the animation quality, I feel like is more like um, advanced. 
but mm-hmm. just like the small things of like oh these ribbons these like the ringlet curls which i'm like that's so annoying to draw so it's just like very... right that really but that those little things it really makes it it puts it completely over the top mm-hmm. i agree um let me go on to the next question um so you've cultivated a comfy nostalgic brand that brings people back to their childhood. Did you always want to be um did you all always want this to be the focus or did it slowly develop over time? I think the um the nostalgic element is definitely something that like I am naturally a nostalgic person mm-hmm. and um I'm definitely that person that certain things just stuck with me forever. Mm-hmm. Um and that but it was more something that I was starting I kind of peppered it in at first. And that seems to be really like something that resonates with a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, yeah, being able to um, connect with people on that level and, you know, share that nostalgia with people, um, it's been really cool to be able to lean into that yeah. and even, you know, uh, expand on it too. Like trying to think all the time. I'm always trying to think of what might be nostalgic for other people. No, I agree. I feel like your art style because I guess I noticed that you're not even just doing like I don't early like sorry I've been following your career since we met at I think 2021 Metro mm-hmm. when we were neighbors yeah, I think so. you, he's a right. great neighbor by the way never like if you see him go stop by artwork gorgeous I was oh. looking at it the whole time <laughs> beautiful artwork I had to stop spending money um but the thing is I as I've seen your artwork develop I feel like you've like focused the thing is you still focus on a lot of anime elements but I've also liked that you've branched out into like other like western media where it's just like you have like the classic PBS kids <laughs> sorry the thing oh, is, that was so like sweet to see I'm like oh it's a PBS kids like logo and your art style was really sweet um between the lines which I thought was a show that I made up in my brain seeing your exactly. art style I love that feeling I, I love, love to, that show yeah <laughs> I love that memory unlocked feeling where yeah. you're like, wait, I'm not the only one that remembers that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it was, I remember like there was like this one like the, like a Chinese cat show that I thought I Sagua. made. Yeah, I thought I made that up. Yes. I, I've never heard anyone see that or talk about it, so I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I guess that was just made up. Whatever. But right. <laughs> um, but seeing all those influences, I really like appreciate seeing that, and especially since I feel like more people, I really appreciate it. I feel like it's in the coming past years people have been more open to like embracing their inner child so to speak where they've mm-hmm. been like a lot more like they they, they kind of because like i feel like kids are trying to grow up so quickly they never take a second to look back so it's really nice to see as an adult your things that you like you like kind of indulging in things that you liked as, as a kid right so whenever i see your artwork it's like that kind of Sorry, especially since little Sam backstory, I was very, like, serious as a kid. <laughs> like, even though I would, like, I would, like, try to hide my girlish, like, childish interest from myself and be like, yeah, no. You right, to, right, Yeah. Right. Like, you have to study. You have to make sure that you're, like, perfect. You have to make sure that you're not, like, being too child. You can't play with dolls, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So seeing your art style is very warming to me. Because, oh, that's so yeah. nice. I love to hear that. I'm so glad. But because like your art style is so warming to me and i think is it's such a unique style that you don't really see anymore because everyone's always trying to like chase the newest biggest thing but no one ever takes mm-hmm. a step like no one ever takes a step to like look back and reflect on like the anime's history i guess everyone's right, trying to get right. the new stuff no one ever wants to deal with like the classics i feel like the oldest people go 
when it comes like to the classics, it's like maybe Hunter Hunter, Sailor Moon is like where the new generation like kind of stops their like their like anime history lessons, I guess. Right. Exactly. But yeah, but I really appreciate your art style for that. It's it's lovely. It's beautiful. You know, um, related to what you were just saying, it was absolutely cracking me up um, at a convention earlier this year. As somebody was looking through the prints that I um, offered, they saw, um, I don't know if you know Chobits. Oh, Do you know that anime? yeah. So they saw a print that I have that's fan art of that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you have all the old anime. <laughs> and I'm like, is Chobits even old? Like, what? <laughs> I think Chobits, I didn't I think, I didn't remember watching it, watching it. But I remember there was like mm-hmm. one singular manga at like my middle school. <laughs> And I read like the thing, oh, is, right. the thing it was like a chapter that was like not even the one of the first chapters. It's like a random chapter. I mm-hmm. I, I got <laughs> I gotta be real. I feel like that feeling is always amplified if you're like a teacher mm-hmm. because I oh, um, right. I teach middle schoolers, and so for middle schoolers, um, a lot of my middle schoolers were born in like 2011 or 2012. Ooh. And they're just like, yeah, Naruto. That's, that's wild. old. <laughs> Naruto. <laughs> right. That's wild. So anything before like 2015 is old to them. That's crazy. That's a lot of stuff. Actually. That's a lot of stuff. That's like I can't think of any. Sorry, I, because my anime knowledge, it's like it like it's like farthest back is like Pokemon era to like 2000 like. 10 when i realized era. that my hero is a classic to my middle schoolers what? and realized i was like "Ooh, this <laughs> this age gap is what? insane oh wow that's that's hilarious that's <laughs> wild to think of sorry the thing is as i age um sorry going into like the nostalgia train as i uh, as like i like age i'm like oh yeah this thing i liked as a kid i'm watching it again um especially since like a lot of streaming services just offer old shows because it's cheaper i guess um right I'm like, oh, I'm really, really feeling this. Like, all the kids, like, whenever I, like, Derek talks about his kids from school, I'm like, oh, I'm really feeling my age. Like, oh, this is considered <laughs> old? I don't like that. Um, <laughs> but yes, um, so moving on. Um, unfortunately, more cute and feminine forms of art are often overlooked. Has it ever made you want to switch up your switch up your kids into a new direction? Or has it made you, like, kind of more, like, double down in terms of, like, I need this representation? Right. Um, yeah, I love that question because I do think that's true that um, the like more kind of typically like girly style or cutesy style, mm-hmm. uh, I do think it gets kind of overlooked or trivialized, but that's really like one of the greatest pleasures for me that um, it is like a bit of a niche audience. Mm-hmm. So when somebody, when it resonates with somebody or if somebody's excited to see that kind of artwork, they're really excited, you know, so like, it's fun, it's fun, especially at conventions, um, that I have some, like, really kind of, like, more deep cut stuff, mm-hmm. and seeing somebody recognize that, like, or finding that piece of, like, fan art that you weren't expecting to see, I love that feeling, like, so I think, I I have a lot of fun, like, serving a niche audience. Mm-hmm. I agree, I feel like, I, like, I appreciate, sorry, not to talk any, like, smack about anybody, um, I really appreciate the artists that try to do, like, a different direction, because there's a lot of the same sometimes, because people want to, like, make a lot of money at conventions, which is understandable, but I feel like sometimes, because you're trying to, like, constantly, like, push 
what you think everyone will like, you kind of like forget that you should also be enjoying your stuff. Right, exactly. And I feel like, um, sorry, the reason I wrote this question is because it was very much a self-indulgent question for me because I feel like my whole life, um, feminine things have always been looked down upon. So I've been trying to rectify that in my older age to make like exclusively things that I like that I also like that are like more girly. So like I have right. like a like like alien girl band comic that I've been working on that it's just like oh like legitimately this is just a self indulgent project if no one else likes it that's a okay but I just want to make sure that's like yeah um, I can be a hundred percent proud of it because it's my own thing you know so I really appreciate right. that you also do a similar thing where it's just like yeah all the artwork that you make I know is for you first and if everyone else likes that that's also just an added benefit which I like it it shows right. like forward and i was gonna say working in that kind of way where you're you you feel like you're being self-indulgent mm -hmm. um or you feel like you're serving yourself but that really is the stuff that ends up resonating with people so much mm -hmm. like because you're you know your heart's in it like so i think you can um work and go even deeper or make something that's really really special because your heart's really in it yeah um so we're gonna move on to the dare questions Hi. Uh, yes. <laughs> Please take over. No, you're good. The thing is, my questions have to deal with the fact that when we are um, writing about this interview in the uh, magazine, Potluck, I'm utilizing this, this section of the interview the most. Mostly because since we are doing a theme of, like, the nostalgia, especially the nostalgia that comes with, like, the year ending with fall, um, I think it's mm -hmm. important to look back at the kind of the philosophy of nostalgia, like what's behind it. Um, and so throughout all my research on it, I read a bunch of different philosophers to prepare for this interview, but I also don't expect anyone else to read it. So I summed up <laughs> what they said <laughs> in one sentence mm -hmm. where the logic behind nostalgia dictates that nothing can really be recovered, only recollected and reimagined. They also had a bunch of other things that were really depressing about nostalgia, yeah. but I didn't want to get into that. <laughs> the thing is, I feel like whenever you think about nostalgia, it's just like, yeah, I'm very much indulging into like my past because I'll never get that back. Yeah. The, and I'm like, oh, that's, the thing that's is, a bummer. It was a bunch of old uh, men philosophers who talked about nostalgia as like, yeah, the good old days when the world made sense to us, blah, 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 blah. And so I wanted to focus on where do we all see? nostalgia and like in regards to the critical thinking or the philosophy behind it and so i wanted to start that by just asking what themes do you pursue in your art well um that's a tough act to follow because i definitely haven't um <laughs> read up on it as much as you have i think no, that, that's fair <laughs> so i may i may be looking at it more simply but um for me i think uh I, I see myself a little bit more as an illustrator than um, somebody that's like a fine artist. So I, I don't really um, touch on very many like very existential themes. Um, like I'm more thinking about um, nostalgia, of course, which we'll get into, I guess. But um, I think a lot about um, those like safe and like uh, comfortable moments or things that are comforting. Like those cozy um, like, games and stuff. Right. Yeah, cozy that cozy shows. feeling. And I think part of that is that I, I want to explore a lot about like sensory, um, like sensory things. Like I want, um, I want to make illustrations where you feel like you can almost 
touch it or almost feel it or like there's something kind of um sensory there's like a sensory element to it it's funny that you say that because i feel like whenever i imagine your artwork i'm just like it's like soft it's like fuzzy it's cuddly it's so yeah i definitely i love that i i think Uh, i I always want to create that kind of warm cozy feeling i think you do a phenomenal job for that that is act like i love that as a theme for your art because Mm -hmm. When we were first neighbors and we kept sneaking glances at your booth, it was just like, oh, mm-hmm. it's just so It's nice. relaxing. It's so relaxing. Just and so, <laughs> Especially since, like, I feel like conventions, I have, like, a pro- I mean, personally, I have a problem, like, being drastically overstimulated. Because, Same. like, with the yeah. sights and the sound, I feel like your booth is a very nice break. Hey, if you ever go to a convention, go to this booth. Um, but it's a very nice visual break, and it's like a very nice, like safe haven. It's a very warm, inviting, like area. So many of your stickers are just around in our house. Yeah, like just on walls <laughs> because they're just comforting to look at. Mm-hmm. I have it on my. I put it on my switch Thank because <laughs> I put it on my switch because I was I, sorry. I have a weird thing like with stickers where I'm just like I can't have this be on anything. Until I'm hundred percent sure, and I can't have it be on anything that's like oh, right, ever right. gonna like. I can't have it on a laptop because I'm like I'm gonna rough that up too much. I can't have it on my phone. I'm gonna rough it up too much. The switch I actually <laughs> take care of. Sticker anxiety. I have that sticker. The thing is, I'm glad that you made a sticker book thing because I'm like legitimately I can't put this sticker anywhere. The thing is, I feel right. like in the age to have a very like no, I need to be hundred percent sure because the sticker ever breaks, I'm gonna be devastated. But yes, <laughs> but a lot of your artwork is like just in our home because it's very. It, it feels it, it fills me with warmth. I've been using that one uh, binder thing that you like that I got from your booth that one year. Mm-hmm. I've been using it. I keep it. I like just oh, keep good. all my safe papers in there because it's like actually good. zipped up and stuff. But yeah, that makes me happy to hear. Yes, of course. I love your stuff. I love your stuff so much. If you got anything from this interview, please <laughs> go to a shop. <laughs> but yes. And I leading up to the like big uh, nostalgia question we're gonna have uh, for my third question. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My next question is, uh, what do you dislike about the art world? I just like asking artists and like illustrators the pros and cons. like this question mostly because it's something that me, uh, Sam, uh, sorry, Sam Asia and I talk about a lot about like there's certain aspects of mm-hmm. the art world that's just like okay, I deplore this. So what do you deplore about the art world? Well, for me, I'm I'm sure I probably say the same thing as everybody else that it does drive me a little crazy at what an uphill climb it is at the moment to um, for artists to have their work seen. I agree. Um, yes. You know how important social media is right now, mm-hmm. and um, the fact that we're competing with ads so intensely, yeah. and like um, Instagram in particular. Yeah, the algorithm, like in particular Instagram. Uh, definitely wants to show people ads Mm -hmm. um creator posts not so much so i know i've seen a lot of people talking about how their um their reach is down or the the amount of people that are able to see their work is down Mm -hmm. so that that definitely comes to mind that's like the kind of the big one because um it's kind of enough to be you it's it's a it's a big accomplishment if you're able to be making work all the time um yeah and so you know i do i do dislike that you are responsible for making good quality work and then you don't even know if it'll end up being seen by people that even want to see it like people that 
chose to follow your account may not even see yeah, it. Yeah, because the thing is, legitimate with Instagram, it, I would sh- it would show me like ten posts, and then it's just like, oh, and then like if I don't catch it, it's just like, oh, well, here's some other posts that you're not following, but you could just like right, use. yeah, they love to do that. Um, it's really annoying. I really hate that. The thing is, it just defeats the purpose of the app to me. But right. yeah, but the thing is, it's also just like you work so hard, you spend hours upon hours working on something that you think is really special and they really are pushing like a capitalist agenda of just constantly shoving like even creators that like make like skits and stuff they're like sponsored by people so it's like you kind of have to like put them at like hand like arm's length and i feel like it's Mm -hmm. that connection with people i guess it kind of i feel like because of the ads and stuff people have to like kind of be more like vigilant on like oh the people are just trying to sell me something so it's hard to make good connections i feel right yeah you're almost on guard as you're browsing social media like <laughs> like oh it's it might be an ad it's an ad like <laughs> yeah. exactly and it's one of those things where it's like it drives people away when they think mm-hmm. you're just there to sell them something mm-hmm. when honestly like it's something that we talk about a lot i write it i write a lot of books for uh entertainments too so I, i'm speaking from, from this lens um more often than not, I just want people to see it. Mm-hmm. I want people to see it mm-hmm. and tell me how it is. Because I feel like as an artist, you don't grow without critique. But if no one takes the time to like, or if no one can see the work you put out mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, kind of try to indulge within it, it's so hard to get anywhere. And it's so hard to get better within like this art game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's completely true. And so the next question, the, the reason this question is worded like this is because I have a, um, in the past I taught, philo- I taught a middle school philosophy class. So the next question was okay. actually created in conjunction with my past philosophy students. And then it goes into the uh, students that I have this year because I teach at a, uh, a tech academy. And the next set of questions are going to be from them. So this next okay. question is, what do you think are the existential problems of nostalgia? So I have a student. I love this student. They're the one who worded it like this. And I was just like, okay, I need to break down what existential problem are you talking about, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like that is a... That's I, an over-encompassing question. That's an, the thing is, I feel like there's not a real way to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Mostly because it's so over-encompassing. Um, I, so I'm going to have my background of the story, giving my answer, then I ask you, ask for everyone okay. else's. Mm-hmm. I used to think nostalgia was just a completely negative thing. And I built my whole brand because I wrote for my college's newspaper. And the only reward, the only award I got for writing for my college newspaper was that I wrote like an almost 3,000 word article about how much I hate nostalgia. That's crazy. That's so crazy intense. <laughs> I I will never put that article up anymore because I'm kind of embarrassed by it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I reached the I reached the time when I was in college where I was just like, yeah, nostalgia was completely useless. Mm-hmm. We only use it to hold ourselves back. We don't move forward from it. Um, and I feel like a lot of my philosophy kids are in that stage right now. 
Yeah, I feel like it's like a growing up. Yeah. I feel like when you're a kid, it's just like, yeah, nostalgia. Because mm, you don't have like, any nostalgic mm. things to like go to yet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think if there's an existential problem of nostalgia, the only thing that would be is the fact that as you get older, life gets so much harder. And not just like, oh, you have to pay bills or um, you have to balance relationships. It's and like mentally taxing. It's stuff. mentally taxing. And also, you start thinking about the question of why am I here? Mm-hmm. And Whoa. yeah, that gets more existential. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate things that give me nostalgia because it gives me a home base to come back to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't answer the question of why I'm here, but it's like, okay, rather than dealing with like all of that, I can turn on Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I can turn on Sorry, Hey I've Arnold. Been, I've been watching, I think is these examples is very much at me. I've just been watching all those old cartoons while working. It's, and mm-hmm. it's, it's something so comforting that I feel like you indulging in nostalgia is a good act of mental health. Mm -hmm. I think it's warm. I think it's comforting. And I think it's needed for more people to do Mm -hmm. instead of just shutting down like nostalgia and calling it an existential problem. I think Mm -hmm. parts of nostalgia are kind of the answer to existential problems Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you can't leave everything you did in the past behind. So it's better to take it with you as you continue trying to navigate through the world. Mm-hmm. I feel like in regards. And, oh, oh sorry. sorry. And that's the simplest way I could break down the question. I thought it was funny that a 13 year old came up with this question <laughs> when it's like. Right. What? What, <laughs> what are you thinking? You're not you're, you're going to be nostalgic about this <laughs> in 10 years. <laughs> like it's not we're not there yet. Because like, I agree. I feel like me as like a kid, I was like, yeah. Um, I'm like, like me as a kid, I'm like, yeah, I don't care about any of my peers. I don't, I'm just gonna like move. I'm gonna be sorry. My, my, me being very serious, I was very much convinced that I was gonna be a like top tier surgeon who went to Harvard. Mm-hmm. My ex, my expectations for life were like astronomically high because I have very strict Caribbean parents. <laughs> they were like, the thing, is, from, the thing is, you know how like they give little kids like, yeah, here's like a cooking set. Here's like a doll. My parents got me like those jumpstart games, not jumpstart, leapfrog games. So I would okay. learn the human body's bones. They got me <laughs> doctor like play sets as a child. I have a picture of me as a two-year-old wearing a surgeon mask and a oh, scalpel. Wow. Yeah, very intense. My parents aren't disappointed they love that i draw but also i gotta be real the i feel like if you were rooting for a doctor you got an artist i don't know we're not gonna talk about that <laughs> they, love, they love my art though so i'm really happy that they're very understanding about that but <laughs> they could have had a mansion um but anyway <laughs> but anyway um but i agree i feel like the problem of existentialism i feel like if stuff like in terms of answering the question of like, hey, why am I here? I don't know that answer, but I do know how these things make me feel, and I feel like that's not for nothing. Which I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times, sorry, I, when I was, even as a kid, I always hated the question, why am I here? Because there's not a real answer, but also it's just like it doesn't matter to me because all these things are important still, you know. 
Right. But yes, sorry. But vegan mushroom, you have the four. Go ahead. Well, for me, I think this is it's, it's definitely a big question, and I think my the way I see it is kind of a mixed bag too. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I wouldn't. I obviously w- wouldn't be able to say if they're nostalgia is such a broad concept that I I can't say that you could really like say that it's inherently problematic or not one way or the other because it's you know there's so many different ways you can interpret that Mm -hmm. but um I think it's really like it's it's a postmodern issue in my opinion where like everything has been done and we like everything is out there already um so I think the like if I were putting myself in the shoes of a student that's worried about nostalgia like I'm thinking that it's I think that that worry is coming from the fact that by being nostalgic you're not really like creating something that's never been done before when in reality everything's kind of been done before at this point Mm -hmm. so like I'm seeing nostalgia as something like kind of how you guys were talking about it with um like how nostalgia is it gives you a home base like I liked that Derek said that like um it gives you something and like for me i know i'm nostalgic because i still i still am in touch with those like big like aha moments as a kid or when i was younger like that first time you see something and you're like wow this is i you know Mm. like studying um picture books or you know the first time i watched candy candy and things like that like it's really nostalgic because that really fuels me making new stuff so I can be nostalgic at the same time as um, kind of mixing and matching and making it something new, right? Oh, I do like that. Sorry, I was thinking because I was like, I feel like even though, like, you, I'm so sorry to cut you off. Please continue. I don't know if you were. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that. Um, I sorry, I like that late like frame of lens as well, because it's like, even though as a kid, you enjoyed this thing, you as a, since you're constantly changing and you're constantly growing, you see things mm-hmm. differently as you age right. as well you gain a new appreciation for certain things as you age which i really like that you mentioned because um like, it's like like oh. it's like how people like now are just being like hey i hit a message that you missed during hey arnold um it's like hey it's like it's like um you didn't realize that this was like you know what i mean like those type of things like things that you don't like you <laughs> gloss over as a child and then it takes on a new perspective and meaning and feeling when right like, exactly we watch it but yeah nice right so, are we going on to your student questions? Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> I I I find eighth I find middle schoolers to be very precocious. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a bit too precocious. So, I asked mm-hmm. um about 23 of my most trusted students to ask questions. I will say um my students love your art style. Nice. Um I will say that cuz I I I won I teach a lot of, in regards to like the art students I've gotten to know to at my school, a lot of really advanced students, but also a lot of students with um, sort of uh, mental accommodations. And mm-hmm. everyone loves your style, even if they didn't grow up with the works that like inspired your style. It, oh, wow. it drew a lot of them to start like consuming those things. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to say that uh, at least like we know that there's a group of students in the like 
upcoming generation that like love your style it's the thing is i always oh, feel wow. like <laughs> i always feel like it's cool to see because um i gotta be real a lot I feel, a lot of times i feel like student there's like a disconnect between like different generations yeah. that um i didn't get when i was their age mm-hmm. and like my parents and then i was just like huh i don't understand what you guys like but you know keep going that's funny the thing is i was also thinking that because i feel like um with my parents it was very much like yeah these are my parents shows these are my shows Mm -hmm. but i do appreciate that as our generation has been having kids i guess they've also been introducing the things that they like to their children and their children like they also the children things that their children Mm -hmm. like back to them that's really nice and so um with my students uh they have given me permission, both their parents and um, the students give me permission to either use their real name or a pseudonym they go under. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's what we're going to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, this first question oh. is from a eighth grader. They just they are 13 going on 14. Um, do you feel a sense of despair when you finish your artwork? Jeez. Jeez, wow. <laughs> you gotta lighten up. I Dang. love that question. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, I think that thinking about that question, I'm, I think that that's, that's interesting. Like, that's an interesting thing to think about. And I'm guessing to answer the question directly, like, I personally don't, don't have that. <laughs> I don't have a sense of despair when I finish things, but I'm thinking that if you feel that way, that that's probably a good sign um, that you might be somebody like, I I think it's such a um, valuable thing as an artist to really love the process Mm -hmm. and not be 100%, you know, set on what exactly the end product is going to look like. Mm -hmm. And this might be somebody, um, this student might be that kind of person that really like just is so into the process and then when it's done it's like oh man like I wanted to keep going or like I wanted to I wanted to see where that goes Mm -hmm. so like I think seeing it as a process might alleviate that a little bit like where it rather than being having a sense of despair that it's over you may be able to get excited for the next work Is my thought. I like that because uh, sorry. When I read the question, I was like, I don't even know how to even approach <laughs> this as an answer. I will say, yeah, like, I'm curious what y'all think of that. Um, I I will say this person is a their art medium they work on is in props. Like oh. they started doing. Um, it's a, a pastor of my name, Hayden. Um, they they started doing like 2D art, but then they realized it was after a project where they had to make, um a prop for a contest Mm -hmm. and they created a book. Um, (laughs) I believe it's from a show, something, the case study of Vanitas. They created the uh, main book from that story Mm -hmm. and they hand uh, bound the book themselves. Mm -hmm. They went Mm -hmm. through the entire process. They created the, uh, it's very extensive. It looks amazing. I think that I know the student you're talking about. Cause I remember that there was, there was a time where I was just like always volunteering at Derek's school because mm-hmm. it's just fun, I guess. I, I'm like, I'm still doing my entertainment, my entertainment stew work, but I'm just in a different area now, which was nice. 
Um, and mm-hmm. they're very, like, sorry, I, was, I feel like meticulous has a bad, like, connotation, but the attention to detail was really admirable, especially since, mm-hmm. um, not to be an old person, but I feel like even me as a child, I'm like, yeah, I want to get to the end. I feel like even now with my art, I like getting to the end result. I feel like a sense, I feel a sense of gratification when I finish a piece right. and I can look at it and it's just like, wow, I did that. I'm not a hack. Nice. Right. I think I'm with <laughs> you there. But I feel like the kind of like the steps of like, oh, every single thing, they had so much care into making, like from the bound of the book to like the like detail that they have on the book, yeah. painting it, like making it like look weathered. Very impressive. They right now they go to they make armor. Ooh. They're working on an armor set right now. Nice. And so I mm-hmm. I I can mostly speak from the writing point of view. Mm-hmm. Um the thing is, I the sense of I do feel a sense of despair of my artwork after I finish with regards to book because it's two things. It's did I make the right decisions? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In like my choices that I made while writing the story, or two, I guess it's three things. Two, is anyone actually gonna like this? Mm-hmm. And then three, what do I do next? There's always that mm-hmm. kind of pit of, well, I just finished another task, and if I if I'm not currently doing a task, my sense of self worth kind of drops because I'm just like, well, if my okay. if my thing is to just do art, and I have finished the arts. Yeah, I get that. What do I do next? And what? <laughs> the thing I get that. The thing is, I feel that from a, I feel similarly. So, be, I, I not from an art perspective, but from a work perspective, because since art is my job, if I'm not constantly doing stuff for my job, I feel terrible. <laughs> I feel like I have a mm-hmm. very unhealthy work-life balance. But the thing is, I just genuinely also like to draw. So in my free time, I would just draw, and then the drawing right. would just turn into work. And then I'm sure, yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure you go to draw for fun, and mm-hmm. then suddenly it's a thing for work yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> like, the, like, the thing is, the Ultraviolet comic was a thing for fun, mm-hmm. but then as I was working on it, I was like, huh, I want this to be, like, a more, like, I, I was like, yeah, I can have it be more in-depth. If I just spruce these things up, it'll be, um, it'll just, like, I can, like, polish this, and I can just use it for entertainment too. And then right. I got overwhelmed. Comes with the territory. Yeah. <laughs> we, we started playing a Dungeons & Dragons homebrew because um i was having fun after my first D session and then what it turned into was me creating my own um tabletop role-playing game right. and then running that podcast it's expansive it's ex- and so it's one of those things where it's just like um i try to do things in my free time even like playing video games now we have a um a few investors that like want us to play games and then write philosophy videos on them. And so I don't, I, I can't really play video games for fun because I'm just thinking of, okay, so what sort of philosophical angle can I mm-hmm. attach this video game to? I'm playing Spider-Man mm-hmm. too. And I'm just like, well, it should be fun, mm-hmm. but it's not really because, um, and then once I, once I finish with the writing the philosophy paper, it's the pit of despair from that is that, oh, I could have enjoyed my time with the game more mm-hmm. if I got to do it for fun. Yeah. And so, right. um, I'm really glad 
Haven didn't ask a follow-up question of, what do you do about it? Because yeah, we're just like, man, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's dealer's choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next question, um, what is the biggest challenge of being a professional artist? Um, this is Jackie. She works on a t, uh, 2D. She says she does 2D chibi art. Nice, nice. That's valuable art. We also need chibi <laughs> artists. Oh, chibi? Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, I'd love to hear that. So, uh, For me, it, I, I think the biggest challenge is really just um, finding ways of keeping yourself interested. Like, so Ooh, that is good. That you is guys good. were talking a little bit about how, you know, you'll start doing something for fun and then it becomes for work. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you're, you're kind of doing that constantly, like, whether you're consciously doing like knowing that you're brainstorming things to do for work or if you're just brainstorming things for fun mm -hmm. uh, i think it's just a matter of keeping yourself interested or um, thinking of things to work on that is going to be um, really engaging because i think if you're not interested that that's like kind of a fast track to getting like burned out on working yeah if you're just doing something kind of phoning it in so i think that's got to be the biggest challenge for me out of curiosity do you have any examples of like how like so I think that you do to keep yourself interested so you, to ensure that you don't burn out. Like, if you don't have any, that's also fine because I kind of put you on the spot there, but out of curiosity. Well, I'm sure that I'm sure that y'all will relate with all the different projects that Entertainment Stew has going on. Mm -hmm. So you're not, like, you're not just a magazine or just a podcast. You're a little of everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that helps me out a lot. So, it like, it means that, like, I'll sew for a little bit do some sewing projects, and then when I start to kind of, like, lose interest in that, I'll pick up the paint, and I'll make a painting, and then when I'm kind of, I'll paint till I, I'm kind of tired of that, and then I'll move on, and, mm -hmm. um, what else, you know, I'll sculpt a little something, and mm -hmm. paint that, like, so just, you know, keeping it interesting, and keeping yourself engaged, I think is really important. I forgot that you did all that. I forgot that, like, outside of you just doing, like, conventions and prints, I forgot that you also have, like, sewing projects. You also, like, sculpt stuff. The thing is, while you were talking, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, that's, sim that's, like, somewhat similar to me because I have sewing projects, but then I'm, like, after cutting all the fabric, I'm like, oh, I'm tired. So right. we're moving <laughs> on to the next thing. <laughs> but, yeah, but I, that's, I wholeheartedly agree. I feel like. Sorry, I think you, when you said when you were like brought it back to us, where it's like, yeah, you have a lot of different projects. I'm like, mm, is that what we do? That's totally what we do. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, was I getting when we were getting bored of doing the same things? We needed an extra, like, not stressor, but essentially. It's because the thing is, it's hard to, especially since like, I want to be real, Sam. I get to go. I, like the thing is, your full time job is entertainment too. Mm -hmm. I go to school so i have like another thing to focus on mm -hmm. you unfortunately just have entertainment susa to focus on mm -hmm. and i gotta be real over the summer that gets it's a bit overwhelming it gets overwhelming so it's just like oh i'm stuck on this one activity for hours yeah so it's like switching it up i feel like is a good like counter mm -hmm. to that mm-hmm um, what I think is the biggest, what, 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 what I think is one of the biggest challenges of, of being a professional artist, I'm going to say something cynical and that's making money. Mostly because there's a lot of different ways that you can do it. 
but there the you have to be all right with being also at some points being a starving artist yeah. because a lot of my especially a lot of my middle schoolers because this is also touching into like the next question so my uh which is what advice would you give a middle schooler who wants to be a professional artist in the future mm-hmm. the problem is a lot of a lot of middle schoolers don't have a lot of like idea of what it takes to survive in the world yeah and so for example sam comes to my school to do a um a career day like thing. a career day thing and then kids are just like i could do yeah. that yeah so the thing is the thing is i don't blame your kids because, yeah I think it's, because it's i like, was also that kid again i wanted to be a surgeon at harvard so my expectations for life were very very astronomically like like high because mm-hmm. because to make money as an artist, you got to keep doing you art. Have to keep push, like, you have to keep on selling yourself, which I feel like it's kind of exhausting. It's that th- You have to keep doing art, but you have to keep selling yourself, especially on social media, how we talked about before. You have to – every artist that I know that makes any sort of money within the art game is also because they're kind of whiz- – they're, kind- they, they're either really good at social media or they're on it all the time. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. without that, like, unfortunately, you can't get your name out there. And then I feel like it's it's not fair for artists because um, people people who work for social media for companies uh, make so much money. And most artists I know, especially seeing within the a lot of the corporate sphere, uh, most artists I know are like ten times better than the people they hire for doing the social media for mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And it's just like. There, no one's. I feel like no one else. Also, I feel like no one ever appreciates artists for how good they have to be at the social media game. You have to wear so many hats, yeah. Especially like, as a professional cause, artist. Cause I was going to mention that I feel like since you, um, since you mushroom does a lot of like different, like conventions all the time. You have to be like your own like uh, merch person. You have to be like your own like marketing person. You have to be the setup. You have to be the cashier. You have to be um, the face where you're like trying to be friendly with everyone. Um, you have to be the driver. Mm. It, it's so you have to. Be, it's so overwhelming, and over encompassing sometimes for like like me, um, personally. So I couldn't imagine like uh, like having that all those different things multiplied by like the thousand people in Artist Alley, and how like right. unfortunately with conventions you're not like it's a market so you're not guaranteed to make money but you have to spend a lot of money to like even be there. So it's like. It's a big investment, and people have to be their own investors. They have to be their own like business people, which is annoying for an artist because I just want to draw. Yeah, remember Michael? Right. My brother Michael tried to help us at MetroCon. The first year, I think it was twenty twenty one. Yeah, it was twenty twenty one, or maybe no, it was twenty twenty one. It was when we were right next to uh, Medium Mushroom. Michael, oh, I, think tried- was, I think we were next to Medium Mushroom in twenty twenty two. I don't remember, but. I think it was 22. It was 22. If I recall. 21, I we were on yeah. the other side. Yeah, of the... we were in the back next to the javelin people. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. my, my brother tried to come and help, and he is a um, – he's the floor manager at a Target in um, the tourist area of, of Orlando, like near all mm-hmm. the theme parks. And he hated it. He was there for one day, and he was like, okay, okay. not for me. Not going to do this really? anymore. Yeah. <laughs> The thing, it was, the thing is, I don't blame him. It's very overwhelming. And 
And so that's what I think is the one of the challenges of being a professional artist. They are asking you to do a lot. But what advice would I give to a middle schooler who wants to be a professional artist? Um, know what you're getting into and don't let it scare you. Like, I've seen – it's a trend that me and Sam have been noticing because we've been doing conventions since, what, 2019? 2019 I, or 2020? I thought, I thought it was 2018. Like, the convention is, like, selling? I yeah. Think I think 2020 is when we started – or 2021? Oh, it would have been 2021 then. I think we started preparing for it in 2020. Yeah. Well, I think we started preparing for it in 2019 because we were supposed to sell in 2020. That's And fair. they got pushed back to 2021. We've seen, and it hasn't been that many years, but we've seen so many people and so many artists who weren't making enough money from doing the convention, and so they just quit art. Yeah. Which is it's so sad. It's so sad. But especially the since is, they're like they're like talented people. Yeah. But unfortunately, there's like especially with right. the the cost of like the rising cost of everything, it's hard to manage. And that's not me like talking trash about them. They did what was like what they had to do in order to like survive. Mm-hmm. But right. it's like I hate to see it. I hate to see where people are pushed to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. I would I always have to tell my my middle schoolers to. Just, just know what you're getting into. So that being said, medium mushroom. What advice would you give to a middle schooler who would like to get into art? I feel like that's when most people get into art. That's when I started taking right. it more seriously. Right. And see, I actually, I'm, I don't want to be the like Pollyanna here, mm-hmm. and because I, I do think it's a, it's good advice to keep in mind if you want to be an artist that you are gonna have to learn how to be um, really flexible with money. Mm-hmm. Um, it is going to entail, you know, being, being conservative money-wise. Um, that's true. But I, I always, I knew I wanted to be an artist even before middle school. I knew as a kid that I wanted to grow up to be an artist. Mm -hmm. And even people even tell kids, like, I remember, I remember being, I must've been in maybe third grade. And I remember, um, like my parents and other people's parents being like, oh, are you going to like, are you going to grow up to be a starving artist? Oh, so I yeah. even was aware as a kid, I even knew that it's hard to make money as an artist. And um, I think the that that desire to grow up to be an artist can be kind of fragile at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, like, the biggest advice that I would want to tell if, if you really are interested in um, growing up to be an artist is that you really can, you can do it. Like, and I'm not just saying that, like, to, you know, coddle a kid or whatever, like... Mm-hmm. Um, I was really shocked because even even as an adult, I would kind of because I, I haven't done this my whole adult life and I used to work at like normal jobs and I would think in the back of my mind, I kind of wish I could do art, but, you know, it's just not realistic or I can't make the money or whatever it may be. But um, you can totally make it work. There's ways it is financially tough, but um, you can figure out ways of having that flexibility financially even if that does mean maybe working like a, a job on the side or whatever you need to do to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I think the biggest advice though, even more, you know, the, the, my main thing is that you could do it. But um, I also think that at that age, uh, a lot of kids that are artists, it gets a little jumbled where you feel like um, you want to do, you want to do a certain kind of art but you know, some art teachers are a little inflexible about what they want you to do, mm-hmm. or Very much you so. might have, right? So you might have kind of 
in my day, I don't even know if this is true. So like, um, Derek, you may be able to tell me, like, I don't know if in my day you weren't allowed to draw anime. So yeah. if you were drawing like anime style, that was not like that, that our was not proper. Not like I'm, that. So, I'm so sorry. Dude. <laughs> That's fair. No, it's still that thing. Um, okay. Where the kids they'll show they'll show me their sketchbooks, and then it'll be like a lot of really the thing is really good anime inspired art. Mm-hmm. But their teacher mm-hmm. wouldn't like it or wouldn't accept it, mm-hmm. and then I'm just like, right. but this is like it's a, the thing is. I know that it's not a traditionally done piece, but the thing is, I feel like you can't deny that this isn't very, like, skillful. Yeah. Especially for their age right. level. The thing is, I understand right. that... So you brought that up, and I was I understand that as an art teacher, you have to teach kids the fundamentals so that they can learn how to draw things and not just copy things that they see in TV. Mm-hmm. But I feel like right. the other part of being an artist is that you have to, like, like art, and I feel like you have to be motivated by your art, and I feel like if you just draw things that you like... Exactly. So if I, I think if you like anime, mm-hmm. um, do your art project or do do the what the teacher wants you to do because there's there's reason they're asking you to do that. Mm-hmm. But um, be sure you know keep doing keep yeah. doing anime or if you want to become a total nerd and just research everything about art history, mm-hmm. do that <laughs> or whatever whatever like really interests you about art. Like it kind of goes back to the um, that last question we were talking about that like the biggest thing is to just stay interested so if there's a fandom you're in like just draw your head off like draw whatever you want to draw and keep interested in it and that's how you can meet people and you know that's how you can keep that motivation too so don't um don't let it get you down like if you need to do certain projects or whatever it is like um be sure to keep interested in it yeah also, I like also going back to like um, what you said earlier. I really appreciate that you were just like, yeah. I didn't think that I could like I could like you would work like regular jobs and you'd be like, oh, I don't know if I could do art full time. It's kind of a risk. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that, especially in the like, because I, I feel like I come from a similar background where I would work a bunch of like jobs that I like kind of the, the jobs that I had I just hated. Actually, Me I, too. I Me they, too. Were, they were they were terrible. They were like run like. Like I worked at an office at, at a hotel. I worked as a call center person. Um, I did a lot mm-hmm. of retail jobs. I hated them to my core. They were so soul-sucking. Oh, yeah. It brought me into such a, de- a depressive state. And the only thing that I could do during my lunch break is draw to kind of get me at an equilibrium to finish the rest of my shifts. Um, but I really appreciate that. I feel like artists especially now understand that they, I feel like they appreciate, I appreciate that they're not like Oh, you have like this other job because you can't cut it as an artist. It, th- that mentality isn't there. You can still like mm-hmm. you can work a regular job to make ends meet and still do art, and that's you're still valid as an, a creator. You're still oh, an artist. I appreciate that so much because even when because when I work those jobs, I would put a lot of pressure on myself to be like, yeah, Sam, you can't be an artist because your X, Y, and Z criteria that you don't you don't meet, which is right. definitely not true. And I appreciate that people that I've met at conventions. Um, who had similar like upbringings and backgrounds and like kind of situations as me would be so kind to me about those kinds of things that I was insecure about at the time, which seems silly now, but it's very completely. So that's like really warming. Um, so yeah, so I was just saying that I really appreciate that. Yeah, and that just goes to show you like the biggest thing or like the biggest challenge. Um, to become an artist as a living is really not anything it's really not the financial or the actual doing the art or anything like 
I really think the biggest thing is just getting out of your own way mm -hmm. and getting past that point where you're telling yourself, I'd like to, but I can't, or whatever it is. Like, once you're able to get out of your own way to let yourself do it, it'll all fall into place, right? Like, I, I know, you know, I think that's been the case for both of us. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. I think that's good advice. Mm -hmm. I feel like <clears throat> I, I recently switched schools. So I'm at this tech school. <laughs> um, you don't realize how much tech schools – um, really don't like pay attention to arts. Yeah. Where the thing mm. is, I, I because it's like an academy. I was like, oh, they're gonna be amazing yeah. at everything. No, they science, engineering, math. They're good okay. at. Um, but the school itself doesn't pay attention to art to the point where a lot of the teachers are just like, yeah, there's no money in it. You could be an engineer. Yeah. You can be a graphic designer. And so I think Oh my gosh, I I'm I'm dying. I was gonna say that earlier. Like that graphic design comment. <laughs> like if you want to be an artist, get used to hearing that. Like oh, every say, is, Yeah, like, you I, can you can do an artist, just do be a graphic designer. Like Yeah. Be an architect. I'm not gonna be an architect. <laughs> the thing is I don't the thing is I like math and I like art. Together, they're not a good mix for me. And so I've, right. kind of, I've kind of been an annoyance at the school because um, I'm the very artsy teacher that mm -hmm. have, that's moved to a tech school and telling the kids that, well, you know, you guys don't have to be an engineer. If you like <laughs> drawing, like... You're this, the parents' worst nightmare. Yeah. But, You're meddling. <laughs> the thing is, that's what I would do because I feel like legitimately, I feel like me growing up, the thing is, my, even though, like, my parents wanted me to be a doctor, it's a very artsy family. I don't know why they thought I was going to be a doctor. Like, my dad, when he was growing up, he played piano, like, like somewhat professionally. Not professionally, but he was really good at piano. He's a prodigy, apparently. Um, my mom. Wow. Yeah, the thing is, I was like, okay, show off, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but my mom, on my mom's side, they're very, like, poetry people. They're very music people. Um, they're very artsy people. My mom would always tell me about stories of how she would make her own clothes to sell when she lived in Cuba to make money. Like, she would be like, wow. yeah. So I was like, so I always, so I'm very proud of my mom, but I would always hear that as like a comment whenever I would ask for like money. And she's like, oh, Samantha, I made my own clothes. <laughs> whenever I would ask for like, like, be like, hey, mom, there's like a bake sale. Can I get like five bucks? Samantha, I can't just give you that. It's like annoying, but I am proud of She's that. like, she go make some clothes. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so... One thing I one thing that I feel like people who aren't teachers don't realize is that kids take kids seem like they're disrespectful and they're not paying attention to anything you say. But kids take everything you say and they catalog mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. and they carry it forever. Mm -hmm. And so if you're constantly telling the kids that, yeah, you're never going to be an artist or like there's no money in being an artist, they're going to take that in and they're not going to be able to get out of their own way. Yeah. As we talked about, because they, they, right. they've been raised thinking mm -hmm. that mindset. Or if they become an artist, they constantly like have that in the back. Like they have that shadow of right. doubt. Because the thing is, when I started like doing art more professional with entertainment too, there's a lot of times where I'm just like, oh, I I would stress myself out being like, yeah, Sam, this isn't gonna go anywhere. You're gonna like, you're gonna be broke. You're not gonna have any money. Da 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 da. Um, no one's gonna appreciate this. No, like people don't value artists, unfortunately, and are like society mm -hmm. like every it feels like maybe i think this because i'm an artist and i constantly see things <laughs> undervaluing artists but like with nfts and ai art and it's just like oh you like art 
but you don't want to pay me which is fine right. it's not it's not That's fine so but it's just like you clearly like artwork the thing is people are constantly being like yeah being an artist is a waste of time you go to the louvre <laughs> you, right. you you go to art museums to feel cultured you feel a sense of emotion whenever you see like a piece of like artwork so don't try to play that with me um but yeah but it's just like it's, it's just frustrating overall that whole like mentality on it mr johnson i didn't forget about you telling me that i shouldn't be an artist Oh man! <laughs> I have that in my cerebral cortex. That's in the front of my brain at all times. Whenever I'm succeeding at art, it's a stab in the back. <laughs> and so the next question, we only have three more. Um, you can do anything in the world right now. Why art, Kazavion? Uh, he does um, sculpture art. Ooh. Okay. Well, I, I think this kind of circles back. Um, it's funny because we were mentioning it as one of the challenges of being an artist. But, like, the reason I would choose to be an artist over anything else is that I love that um, being an artist, you get to do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. So I love that I get to learn about how to get things manufactured with companies or factories. And you learn a little bit about... Um, like business models, you learn about bookkeeping, you're learning about the actual technique of art, mm -hmm. um, you get to be part of a community, and art has, there's so many opportunities to um, uh, benefit like a cause, you know, you can, you can use art for good too, or you can use it for fundraising, so I just love that I can't think of any other career path where you can just sort of do a little of everything and where you know, a bunch of different hats and just be kind of like a uh, uh, jack of all trades in a way. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I was going to say that I feel like being an artist has made me a more well-rounded person. <laughs> right. Um, so I feel like you mentioning all those things where it's just like, yeah, um, how you like have the low bookkeeping and like how things are manufactured. I feel like similar with me. I, I like, I was trying to get into more into like using embroidery in like our merchandise mm -hmm. and stuff because... I, I always had an interest in it, but I just didn't have a reason to, like, invest in, like, a really expensive embroidery machine. Um, right. But I feel like in doing so, it's just like, oh, I know so much now, essentially, <laughs> to say the least. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, this is a lot. It's really cool. Yeah. I honestly wouldn't have as much of the experiences I've had in life without, like, art or pursuing art. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like we've – I feel like – I've got to do some really cool things and I have a lot of really cool stories from my time, like being a videographer to um, meeting a bunch of different authors to like get them to read my stories. It's so fun. Mm -hmm. And it's something, it's the one thing in my life where it's just like, yeah, yeah, I like being a teacher. It's all right. It's like, <laughs> it's cool, but I love doing art and creating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't know if you experience if either of you experience this, but I feel like I love doing art because honestly, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Even as like a like a kid who was just like a schmuck who's just going through the motions of like school and home life and like after school stuff and friends stuff, I couldn't imagine doing any career for the rest of my life. 
like legitimately, right. like that filming was such existential dread. Whenever I'd work, any, as an adult, whenever I work any job, I used to work at a freaking burger place in Legoland. And I was just like, wow. The thing, that was like your first that job. That was my too. first job. Shout out to Legoland. It's a terrible place. Don't go there. <laughs> they don't pay their people well. Um, but I remember when I first started working there, there was people that were working there for like three years, five years, back when it was Cypress Garden still. And legitimately, I was being yelled at by a customer. And I was just like, oh, why are, they, why are these prices so expensive? And I was just like, wow, Sam, could you do this for the rest of your life? Could you be here for the rest of your life? And the thing is, at, right. at, and I felt myself answering that question at every single job that I was at, whether I was working inside, whether I was like inside like a store, working outside fa- painting faces at Disney. I was also a face painter. Shout out. Um, that job also actually wasn't terrible, <laughs> but it was just excruciatingly hot. Um, but working right. as like in an office where everyone was just like, yeah, office jobs are really easy. I couldn't work those jobs that people have been working for years. Doing art right. is the only thing that my that's calmed my soul, essentially. I completely, I completely relate to that. Like, you, we work soul crushing jobs. I feel like everyone has. If you haven't worked a soul crushing job, um, you're a bad person. <laughs> um, I gotta say, working a soul crushing job made me made me more understanding as a person. Made me oh, def- grow. Yeah, it definitely gives you a lot of perspective. Mm-hmm. Working a job like that. But yeah, but I so that's why I appreciate when you were talking about like how like you're working just like regular jobs and like wanting to pursue artwork. It's just like that like and how like when I would work like during my break I would just draw stuff to like relax. That's was one of the benefits. It's like yeah, I do art because that's what my soul wants. <laughs> yeah, you're meant to do it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the next question: How do you handle criticism or negative feedback on your work? Well, I think that's a that's a smart question because, mm-hmm. like, in all honesty, that is bound to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think you have to be you have to be in touch with the fact that art is not meant to serve every single person. Like, it's not meant to be a, a universally understood thing. Mm-hmm. It's also subjective. So, um, yeah, exactly. It's completely subjective. So, think of like Jackson Pollock. If that's something that if you don't get it you're gonna think well my kid could do that or that's nothing like it's just splattering paint you know if everybody doesn't isn't gonna get it so that's something that is it's good to know i mean it sounds like you're it could sound like you're being negative but it's good to just know ahead of time um it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea Mm -hmm. um or everybody isn't going to feel like seen or like served by it like because everything is not um art is not always going to be a universal experience that mm-hmm. everybody relates to i agree because I, could, oh, sorry, I mean for on. me like oh sorry sorry no, but no, um going. i was i was gonna say for me like the thing i really run into is that uh i think if you if you don't have a frame of reference for like retro anime mm-hmm. um i've stylized the way i draw eyes is stylized to the you know hundredth degree i've taken the like kind of retro style and put it over the top so uh if i ever get a a, you know a negative comment it's usually pointing out why do they have eight eyes or why why are they like why do they have like spider eyes Mm -hmm. and i can see you know i i can look back from it and see like yeah if i didn't have a frame of reference or if i didn't know what i was going for i could see that like i get why it wouldn't be 
it's odd, you know, like, mm -hmm. or it's, it's serving a certain um, audience. So like, everybody is not gonna, you know, immediately love it, right? Yeah. Yeah, because the thing is, I appreciate, sorry, I appreciate the answer, because I remember when I, like, whatever, take, like, cause I went to, I didn't do formal, like, art school stuff. I, like, went to, like, a community college, and I, like, had a few art classes that I went to. Um, and whenever we had, like, a critique, I would take it really hard. The thing, I, I would take it, mm -hmm. like, I wouldn't take it personally, but I was not used to getting... It's not easy. Yeah, especially if you, like, have never had anyone... Because in, in my whole life, whenever I would show anyone my artwork, they would, like, gush at me over my artwork. And, like, mm. So it, it, like, gave me a really big ego about it, essentially. So whenever it would be like, hey, right. um, your proportions are off, or hey, like, the scaling is off, whatever the case may be, it would, like... I would take it, but I would, like... I would, I would, take, the, I would take the criticisms, and I would, like, appreciate the criticisms. Sorry, the critiques. Mm -hmm. I feel like criticism sounds way harsher because it feels it, that sounds way more personal. <laughs> um, but I would take the critiques to heart a lot. Um, but people are just trying to help, especially with the class that I was taking. It was like drawing life, which isn't subjective; it's objective. And if you're all looking at the same thing, you can see it looking wonky depending on what you're doing. Right. But I do appreciate you bringing the other aspects where it's just like hey someone's like just like you shouldn't have to take this you don't, don't take everything to heart because some people just don't get it i also really like that because um <sighs> my writing career started with fanfiction.net and i posted a lot of naruto fan fictions that i got a lot of like positive feedback on it mm -hmm. and then i moved on to mm -hmm. wattpad and i got a lot of positive feedback on it and that was me as a middle schooler. And so cut to me picking up writing again when I was, like, in college at, like, 18. Because I, I wrote a lot throughout high school, but at a certain point, I just stopped. And there was a story that I wrote last year. It took me two years to write it. I finished it last year. It was the Knights of Fortune. Mm -hmm. um, and... Everyone that I had take a look at the book. They enjoyed it because the point of the book is that it was a book that I didn't want to have a concrete plot, but I was building off of, honestly, I was building off of slice of life anime mm -hmm. where it's like, there's a mm -hmm. plot, but like a lot of the times it's like character stuff. Yeah. It's just characters having fun. Mm -hmm. And so the story was, the book was based off of that, but the person who I had read it, um, it was, it was Asia. The, uh, the third person in entertainment suit. I had Asia read it. And Asia, when she reads books, she wants a plot. She wants, like, a literary experience. Mm -hmm. And when the book wasn't, she's like, well, I'm, I'm going to be honest and tell you how I felt about it. And she did not like the book. And it sent me into mm -hmm. such a creative spiral. Uh, little did I know, I was never going to get Asia with a book like that because it's just not... It's not for her. It's not the type of book which she is, could Which do, is fair. Which is fine. But at the time, <laughs> I was like, oh, so then I'm worthless. <laughs> so then I don't know how to tell a story. And so I didn't know how to handle that criticism mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. And I see it with my students who, um, especially when we were doing the props and we were working on all the stuff for the short films that we were doing, Sam. Mm -hmm. And then students would make something. And then I was like, well, 
that's not going to work or look as well on camera as you think it would. Mm-hmm. And then I would see the spiral that it would send them in. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like as an artist, your first few critiques are always hard. Yeah. Because it's like... Because mm-hmm. you worked hard on this thing, so you want everyone that looked at this thing to like also appreciate this thing. Yeah. And so to handle those feedback, I feel like you just have to kind of get used to them. Mm-hmm. But I also like the idea of that, hey, not every critique is valid. Yeah, it's not applicable for everything. Yeah. I feel like, but I feel like it could be a slippery slope where it's just like, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I remember there was this one woman that I work with who, I met her daughter. Her, her daughter was like, at the time when I was like 19, her daughter was like 11 or so. And she wanted my, since like I drew a lot at work, she want like her daughter wanted my, like the coworker that I wanted her daughter to like meet me to like get her opinion on stuff. And she, the thing is, she was a child, so it's not like everyone has. A, I feel like everyone has a big ego when they're a child. But I remember I was talking to her about like, hey, uh, if you want to start going to like doing working on a portfolio for your artwork, da da da, you need a lot of different variations. And she said to me like, yeah, I don't want to go to art school because I don't want them to taint my creativity. And I'm like, wow, that's very precocious for an 11 year old. But also, <laughs> I appreciate the energy, but I feel like if you stay in this headspace, you're not going to be able to improve the way you want. They're definitely, yeah, they're, they're, critique definitely is helpful, mm-hmm. um, no doubt about that. So it, it is good to keep in mind, you know, like getting feedback because uh, I, I didn't even, I didn't even really think about a critique setting because mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking negative feedback is really, I mean, in a real critique, you're not really going to get negative feedback. Like you, you might get a, you might get an advice that something is structurally not right. But yeah. The subjective stuff, I think it's good not to worry too much about it. Yeah. And I, also, I like the I, the idea that you're using, like, Jackson Pollock. I feel like Jackson Pollock is, like, the artist that, that, gets pe- a lo- that yeah. people go to to talk trash about. To be like, I could do that. Um, but because people right. don't have... I feel like because regular people don't have historical context and, like, art history, mm-hmm. like, backgrounds to understand, understand why we care about Jackson Pollock, it's easy to dismiss right. For some right. reason, so I appreciate that as uh, that aspect that you brought to it as well. Th- that's funny because it kind of reminds me. This is not on the same level as Jackson Pollock, but um, when Sam got started doing convention stuff, she was doing like Dragon Ball Z art. Oh, are you uh, about that one thing? I was trying not to bring that up. And then the first time we ever sold something at a convention, it was like it was like a teenager. Mm-hmm. So like teenagers are gonna be teenagers. Yeah. She walked up to our table and was just like, "Oh, is that supposed to be Vegeta?" And I'm sorry. I, the thing is, I didn't. I, me and my like first going to the convention brain, I did not sense the sarcasm. So I was like, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, it's Vegeta. And then she looked at me dead in my eyes and said, "Hmm, looks off." <laughs> and walked, walked away. away. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> sorry, that's in my brain. That's also in the front of my brain at all times. And so whenever Sam's like, I feel like whenever Sam's doing art, she's constantly thinking. <laughs> that one it's like she didn't add anything. She just, she said her piece and then she just left before anyone responded with anything. I, mean, I couldn't even, think she like, vanished. I didn't even, wow. my, my brain like shut off because I didn't see her leave. <laughs> it's like she was eviscerated. Oh, man. <laughs> A nightmare. <laughs> Sorry, I, that was like one example of someone being like, like the most extreme example of someone being rude. But legitimately, I've never got anyone say that ever again. The closest we got was when we went to that. Was it this year that we went to Brick City? I think so. But the, it was the nicer version of negative feedback, mm-hmm. where it was a older uh, woman that was just like, "Hey, 
why don't you draw any girls? <laughs> yeah. She's like, why don't you draw any girls? Yeah. He's like, you got all these men up here. Oh, hey, I want a girl shirt. Like, she's like, I would have bought for you if you had a girl shirt. <laughs> it, was just, it was like a good like 10 minutes of her kind of like lightly berating Sam for not drawing oh, girl yeah. stuff. <laughs> and the thing is, I feel like that kickstarted like, oh, I should really draw my girl stuff. <laughs> the thing is, I was like, yeah, I also like girl stuff. But because there's that fear, the thing is, there's like a question that we asked earlier where it's just like, oh. hey, is your um art influenced by like what you think people will like? And do you like ever like think about changing that? Is because me personally, I feel like there's a lot of times early on with my art, I would try to cater to the like majority of people. So I would try to do more fandom stuff. But like that's not that's not always gonna get every get everyone. But I feel like I because we're in a convention space, you're kind of put in that position of pressured in that position, I guess. Mm-hmm. To draw things that aren't necessarily in your comfort zone, because even though I really, really like Dragon Ball Z, I feel like Dragon Ball Z isn't me, even though I like it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. I actually used to sell a Dragon Ball Z print too, and that was out for the same reason. You know, like just kind of feeling like, well, I'm here. Like I should probably have some things that are a little more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, more variety then, for like everyone to be interested in. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Is that even true, though? Saying, why don't you draw any girls? Is that even, like, where does that even come from? Um, the thing is, at the time, I could all of our merch specifically. All of our shirts yeah. were just the Dragon Ball Z oh, okay. Shirts. Yeah, that was, like, I think oh, we had, like, okay. I think this we had, was, like, like, way back or something. Yeah, it was pretty, like, I... yeah, so. <laughs> from then, that comment I did, it was helpful for me because I was like, oh. I can draw girly things. I don't have to, like, just cater to, like, just more masculine Shonen. things. Which I right. pre- I appreciated. I- I'm glad that... Yeah, th- those are always the most interesting, like, pieces of feedback at conventions when when they-, when they first say it, you're like, oh, they're crazy. Like, they don't know what they're talking about. And then it's like, huh, actually, now that I think about it, like, they kind of had a point. Like, Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I... Because when she said that to me, I felt like myself as a child who loved girly media. Like, I liked watching... Mm-hmm. If there was a girl in it, I would watch it. Like, Kim Possible mm-hmm. and Totally Spies and uh, Winx Club right. and Powerpuff Girls. That was my stuff. So, I felt... Like, when she said that, it was like my child self saying that to me. So, I doubled down. Oh. Started drawing more girly <laughs> And the final question. Mm-hmm. Does nostalgia keep people from looking forward? Michael... Is not an artist. My student Michael's not an artist. He is just like, ask the question. <laughs> I appreciate you letting me know if they're artists or not, just so I can form my opinion. Yeah, he, he, the thing is, he was just like, yeah, because <laughs> Michael, he, um, I'm gonna be real. Michael doesn't like nostalgia at all. He's he, in that phase. Yeah, he's, he's, he's squarely in that phase where he's like, it's useless. I don't need it. That's really funny. And so I was like, "Do you watch old things?" No, I'm only looking for the future. <laughs> if I missed an episode of a show, um, guess what? We're moving on to the next. He's episode. like, "I'm in the now." That's really funny. He's in Edna mode. And so, does nostalgia <laughs> keep people from looking forward? I mean, I don't think so. For me, at least, because it's like uh, it's kind of you know wrapping back to what we've been talking about throughout the whole interview really like is that i think you're gonna you're gonna be moving forward regardless right because Mm -hmm. the world demands that you move forward you're not gonna 
there there is really no such thing as not moving forward. Yeah. Um, so I think revisiting. I loved I loved what you said about um, nostalgia being a home base. Like, it's giving you that everything like art wise, especially, but really in everything, uh, we all love to see things that are um, kind of like a pastiche of references. So like, you're by being nostalgic, you're educating or you're informing what you're interested in moving forward, or you can pull things here and there. Like, um, I just think it's a great thing because you're, you know, nostalgia, that's part of like pop culture history to be nostalgic Mm -hmm. for things before. Like, so you're kind of missing out if you're not, if you're not being nostalgic for things forward, you'll be missing, you'll be missing references or you'll be uninformed for new things. Mm -hmm. So we kind of need that to build off of, right? I mean, what do you guys think? Uh, sorry, you said that. I, I really appreciate that because so I feel like I, I keep saying that. I, I, <laughs> I really do enjoy that you said that because I feel like you can't build something without a foundation. Like you can't be forever mm-hmm. living in the future. You have to live like the thing is the now is also referenced by the, past. by the past. Yeah, right. So I feel like disregarding it as a whole, like how we talked about earlier, is just foolish. It's like the whole thing of like, yeah, if you don't know history, you're bound to repeat it type thing. Yeah, it's a bit impossible, really. Like you, it, you really couldn't, you know, you couldn't really disregard nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And I like how you brought up how, since we're constantly revisiting nostalgia, there's, there's, we're always, we're never looking back. Us revisiting it in itself is us looking forward. Like you can't ever, right. you can't be stagnant, as the passage of right. time, like as time passes you by. Exactly. I love both of those thoughts about this because the thing is, I included this question even though he wasn't an artist because we were also going over figurative language in class and we were talking about allusions, which mm-hmm. are just references to like history, media, entertainment, stuff like that. It's an inside joke. Yeah. And if you don't know if, if you, you don't know what if you didn't get the required reading, you're not gonna get it. Because the thing exactly. is because the thing is I was like I was talking about how um knowledge of the past makes like especially within media knowledge of the past and the references makes the things better yeah for example um mm-hmm. so it- we've been playing through spider-man 2 mm-hmm. and all the references of spider-man 2 to just previous spider-man work mm-hmm. where if you didn't consume those things you didn't have that extra fresh. bit yeah um and so I also don't think, I feel like nostalgia, the thing is one of the things that the philosophy got into, which is we're going to get way more into it within the actual article. The philosophy says mm-hmm. that nostalgia is a two-way street where it's taking the, it's you being in the present, looking back in the past, taking that information from the past and taking it to the future. I do like that. It's that's the main goal of nostalgia mm-hmm. because it also uh, mm-hmm. takes you're able to dive back into the emotions you felt in that mm-hmm. and then carry that into the future and then you might be able to transform those emotions into different ones mm-hmm. based off of your own growth and experience within it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one philosopher that describes it as a time machine. I do like that. It takes you back to where you were when you experienced a moment, a piece of media. Um, we are within this episode of within this thing of potluck. We're going to be talking about 
uh, Gen 1 Pokemon. We're all uh, playing Pokemon Red, Blue, or Yellow right now. And we're all being flooded with, hey, this is what I felt like Mm -hmm. when I played the game. So at first I was complaining. Sam saw that. I was like, "Ah, I don't want to go back to... Wasn't the first one? <laughs> yeah. This but, one doesn't have any colors. But then I'm playing it, and I'm just like, oh, due to the nostalgia, I can think back to where I was when I played it. I can mm-hmm. think back to being in the back of my parents' car as they're driving. It's raining outside. We're going up to, like, New York or something to visit family, and I'm just catching Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And how fun that was. Mm-hmm. And... It's like, as an adult, I can greater appreciate those emotions that I had at that time. And they've kind of mm-hmm. grown and exploded out. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think it keeps us looking. I don't think it keeps us from looking forward. I feel like for me, in order to be as well-rounded of a person that I think I am, mm-hmm. I need nostalgia to kind of push me forward. Yeah. I agree. Also, I appreciate that because since you guys were working on illusions in class, um, I feel like no one ever talks about the nostalgia aspects of like, yeah. The thing is because, um, sorry, I'm not that much younger than you in Asia, but there's going to be some times where you guys reference something that I have nothing, I don't know. You're only three years younger than us. Yeah, but the thing is because like the media like slightly shifts even within like a few years of each other, like me and my sister, well, I guess my sister, we have a bigger age gap. It's like we are like four or five years apart. Um, but I feel like people in like a grade below me wouldn't know this thing that I was watching, even though like we're in close proximity between each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like I feel like you not referencing nostalgia at all. I feel like you also feel left out of stuff, <laughs> like the nostalgia aspects of like yeah, remember that like remember that uh that Geico commercial years ago? Crazy, right? right. Like huh, Hump Day, remember that? Whoa, that really change the whole trajectory of how we viewed Wednesday for a long time. <laughs> so I feel like those aspects, like I remember um, because it's, because Halloween was coming, because we were Halloween has passed. Uh, we were, we started watching all the alien movies and mm-hmm. I really, really love Futurama. I watch it mm-hmm. all the time. I, I'm mm-hmm. always watching it. So when I was watching Alien, I was just like, oh, so that's where that episode's from. That's what that episode's referencing. Exactly. And they're going to constantly right. show me, like, older things where I'm like, oh, so that's where they got that from? Is that why we see that trope all the time? People shrinking into people's right. bodies and, like, doing, Completely. like, it's journey to, it's like Journey to the Center. What is that called? I forgot what the name is called of that movie where those people shrink in a spaceship and go in someone's body. And that's what all those, like, tropes are always referencing. I forgot what that's called. <laughs> Oh, that's gonna bother me. We're gonna look that up later. And see, that's funny because that's a blind spot for me too. And that just goes to show, like, you know, nostalgia, it's constantly informing things moving forward mm-hmm. to the point that you can know the reference without knowing what it's from. Yeah. Which is crazy. You know, like, it, everything's not happening in a vacuum, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's interesting. And we've been doing, like, the, we've also been doing this thing. Sorry, this is the thing that we do in our own home whenever we're watching a show. It's just like, huh, there's like a lot of, you know, like a lot of anime tropes exist. We've been doing that with like American shows. Like, huh, this American trope is always in a thing. Like the body switching episode is a thing. Like the, mm-hmm. oh yeah, we're dressing up as girls for our beauty pageant competition. That's a thing. There's a lot of weird mm-hmm. like tropes that are always seen. Like the double date episode where you're like pretending to be your own twin is a mm-hmm. thing. So we also like, 
even though I don't know what that's referencing, it's such a constant in our culture that you can't just ignore mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Nostalgia kind of informs everything mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. So uh, I think that was our last question. That was our last interview question. This has been great. I loved this. It's been really fun talking to you. Yeah, I loved this. Thanks. Yes, we'll uh, do a sign out and then we can talk afterwards if you'd like. Okay. But yeah, but this has been Sam. And Derek. And Media Mushroom. And we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>